Good morning. If we haven't met, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Chapel Sydney. Uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for inviting us into your home. Well, today I want to start with a general ability question. And don't worry, you're not going to get tested on this, but on the screen is going to come a question. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to answer that question. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, Four, three, two, one. Okay, what is the answer? Okay, I'll tell you in a bit. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, when I was 11 years old in year six, uh, it was drilled into me like a lot of Korean Australians that the greatest thing that you can do, right, the greatest thing that you can do in life, the highest achievement, the highest accolade, Better than a Nobel Peace Prize was to get into a selective high school, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what a selective high school is, it is a government school for high potential and gifted students, okay? Potential. <laughs> and the question that you all just attempted is, is an example from uh, the test that E6 students take to determine whether they can get in or not. Uh, what was the answer? Well, the answer was B, okay? So, luckily you guys don't need to do that. Like many other children, um, like many other children, I was put into tutoring, years and years of tutoring, uh, specifically for this one exam. Uh, and the hopes of my family, the hopes of my future family, the hopes of my ancestors, it lay on my, it lay on my shoulders. My life would be determined by this exam. The selective high school test. So I sat the test. My hopes are high. Surely I got into something. Um, the day comes when I get the letter with the results. I open the letter with my parents and bang. I do so badly that I, <laughs> that I get no offers on the test. That's not meant to be funny. But uh, <laughs> my hopes of future greatness as a high potential and gifted student, it gets crushed under the weight of a please try again. My hope is crushed. And I remember even as an 11-year-old feeling so disappointed and so hopeless. Now, just like how I had put my hope into a selective school for a better future, we all put our hope into something. I wonder for you today, what you have put your hope in? Money, relationships, your children, an addiction? Maybe 2023 wasn't the year that you hoped it would be. Maybe you have hoped that you'll be further in life than where you are at now. Maybe you had hoped that your marriage would be better or that it would last. Or hope that your child would follow Jesus. Or maybe some of us, we would hope that we would have been married by now. Wherever you are at, the question for us today is not what do you uh, it is not, do you hope? Because we all hope, right? But the question is, what is it that you put your hope in? Today, as we kick off Advent, uh, we're going to see that the Christmas story is about hope. It's a story about hope. And we're not talking about the world's definition of hope. I'm not talking about hope as wishful thinking or positivity or optimism, okay? Which isn't wrong. It's just not the way that hope is used in the Bible, a biblical definition of hope as defined by one pastor is this, the expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. Okay? 
the expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. So Advent, the Christmas story, it's a story of hope because it tells us about the coming to earth of the one who is hope, Jesus. Hope is a person. It's Jesus. And you're going to hear this word Advent a lot this month. And it's based on the ancient Latin word ad, which is Latin for to. And vent is Latin for come. And so at Advent, we remember God coming to us through his son, Jesus. So let's read our passage today. It comes from Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. This is the beginning of the Christmas story. The story of God coming to us through his son, Jesus. Luke chapter 1, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angels went to to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called uh, the Son of God. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will, will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Amen. This passage that we've just read is all about hope. It should fill us with hope. It should fill us with awe and wonder. It should remind us about the loving God who stepped into our mess. And the reason why it should bring so much joy and encourage our spirits is because without the Christmas story, we would still be struggling. We would still be in a state of impending doom. We would still be needing to bring bulls and goats and offer them up to God for our sins. Why? Because since Genesis 3, sin has broken absolutely everything. And the truth is, our world today, it's full of disappointments, sadness, confusion. We live in a hopeless, broken world, full of war, full of anxiety, hurt, depression, broken families, divorces, breakups and breakdowns. Our world is anything but peace. And we just need to examine our own lives to see the mess and the gunk within our own hearts. We are, as Paul David Tripp says, a people born in sin and in a world damaged by sin. Before the Christmas story, there simply could not be any other source of good. Good education would not solve the problem. A benevolent government had no power. More and better laws could not penetrate to the source of the problem. The source of the problem being sin. Sin is what has caused all this confusion, all this, all this disappointment, all this hopelessness. 
And so what we see in Luke 1 is this amazing unfolding of God's plan for all humanity to make things right. And within this Christmas story, we're reminded about the hope of the universe. Not an optimistic, wishful, thinking hope, but as the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 5, a hope that does not disappoint us. This is the hope that causes us to rejoice in the middle of our suffering. This is the hope that reminds us that we're not alone. And so today, as we start our journey into Christmas, I just want to show you two things about hope. Number one, this hope helps us remember the promise keeper. And number, number two, this hope helps us remember that we're not home. Number one, hope helps us remember the promise keeper. Now, who has ever broken a promise? That's all of us, right? Have a listen to the most common broken promises and see if you've said any of these things. You can call me anytime. We'll still be best friends no matter what, I promise. I'll be there in five minutes. If you're laughing, that might be you. <laughs> I'll clean the kitchen definitely on Saturday. I'll think about it. Give me some more time. I'll pray for you. Ooh, yeah, that's a deep one. And then I love you. The reality is you are a horrible promise keeper. I am a horrible promise keeper. But there is one whose promise keeping record is pristine, and that is God. We see one of many fulfilled promises in Luke chapter 1. And in verse 31, we see the angel of God pass this promise on to Mary. Listen to what is promised in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And we read in the very next chapter the birth of Jesus. We see God coming through on his promise. What is this pointing us to? It's pointing us to a God who keeps his promise. And let me remind you of some of the promises God has made. In Romans 1, 16 to 17, God has promised us salvation to all who believe in Jesus. In Romans 8, 28, God promised that all things will work for the good of those who believe in him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God promised new life in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, God promised comfort in our trials. In Ephesians 1, 3, God has promised every spiritual blessing in Christ. These are just some of the promises that God makes to us. And because God is faithful and his character is true, we can all have full assurance that what God has promised will come to pass, that he will keep. And so when we read Luke 1, when we read the Christmas story, it should fill us with hope. It should fill us with the confidence to trust in a God who keeps his promises. That when he says that our sins are no more, it means that our sins are no more. That when God tells us that we're made in the image of God, it means that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hope helps us remember God as the promise keeper. Number two. Hope helps us remember that we're not home. I don't know about you, but I really do struggle with remembering that, that this life is temporary, that this life is gone so quickly. I forget that life on earth is just a dot in the spectrum of eternity. Listen to how King Solomon in the Old Testament describes life in Ecclesiastes 1. He says life is meaningless. 
Everything is meaningless. Now, he's not saying that life doesn't have purpose, right? He's not saying that life is not significant. But he's saying that life is like a vapor, a mist. It's temporary. Now, for all of my fellow visual learners, the Bible describes life like this. See if you guys can see this. That's life. <laughs> How deep is that, eh? <laughs> but <laughs> I'll do it again for the guys that didn't see. <laughs> but life is like this. It's a mist. Can you guys see that mist? It's gone, right? How crazy is that? Life is a mist. It's temporary. It's fleeting. It's gone, right? It will one day end. And that's the reality of life. And what hope does, it helps us remember that that even though life on earth will end, the kingdom of God, as Luke says, will never end. Listen to verse 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is Jesus. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Life on earth for all of us, every single person in this room, will one day end. One day Jesus will return. Yes, Jesus came humbly in the form of a baby to serve and suffer. But friends, Jesus is coming back a second time, not as a meek baby, not as a servant to suffer and die, but as the victorious, righteous king reigning in power and might. And on that day, if you're not a follower of Christ, it will be too late. Too many people say, it's, it's okay, I'll, I'll say I believe just before I die. How many, how many of you guys have heard that? A lot of us. But it's like this. It's like if you're in a plane, the engines are malfunctioning, right? And you're going to crash. You know you're going to crash. And you have to jump out. And someone gives you a parachute. But you say, hey, let me just finish my in-flight movie first. Would you do that? You'd be like, hey, I need to jump out before this plane crashes because if it crashes, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. This is like your life. You can die at any moment. And you've been offered the parachute of Jesus, taking your punishment. But you're saying, hey, I just want to do this a little bit more. You need to trust in Jesus today because you never know what will happen. If you call yourself a Christian, then be encouraged. You're not home. Listen to how the Apostle John talks about this day in Revelation 7 for God's people, for us. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How good is that? There is coming a day when we'll all stand before God. For those of us who have chosen to accept Jesus' offer of life, it will be home. This home will be better than anything you could ever imagine. It will be better than the best day of your life. It will be better than a million not a million, a billion dollar property portfolio, 100% better. It will be better than chocolate ice cream. Amen? Amen. You know, hope helps us remember that on that day, that there will be no more tears. Think about this. There will be no more grieving, no more worrying, 
No more anger. No more pain. No more hatred. No more insecurity. No more heartbreak. No more breakups. No more stress. No more aches. No more suffering. No more wars. And the war between our flesh and the Spirit will be won by the Spirit. Friends, the day is coming when we'll all stand before God and we'll all be accountable for the decision that we make to choose to accept or deny Jesus. And C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. There is no middle ground in this. So don't delay this decision. You may not have another day like today. You may not have another moment like this. So don't delay. The beautiful thing about Advent is that it's really an invitation to set our eyes back on Jesus. No matter what our week, month, year, or life has looked like, no matter how deep we are in sin, in our addiction, guilt, or shame, the Christmas story, it's, it's not about the holidays. It's not about the food. It's not about the presents. It's not even about our families. But it's about the hope of the universe, and it's about Jesus. Christmas reminds us that Jesus came to seek and save sinners like you and me. He came for the one who would reject him again and again. He came for broken people. Jesus came to seek and save. He came to suffer and serve. He came to suffer and forgive, to rescue and restore. He came to call you, to draw you in, and to love you despite your flaws. And because he lived a sinless life on our behalf, he became the very offering needed to satisfy the wrath of God. And Jesus would be the final lamb of sacrifice. He would pay the ultimate penalty for our sin. And it would be the only way to restore our relationship with God. And so on the cross, he hung, he bled, he died the death that we should have died. He took our punishment, our sins, and he paid it in full. He paid for our sins, past, present, and future. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave. He conquered the ultimate sting of sin, death. And so now, this means that when you put your trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God breathes new life into you. You are a new creation in Christ your identity has changed. You are now in the family of God. Friends, in this Advent season, whatever you're going through, whatever your lot, let's remember that it's hope. It's Jesus who helps us remember the promises of God. It's Jesus who helps us remember that we're not home yet. And as the Apostle Paul prays for the Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.